My family often teases me about moments. I've heard my son say, just wait a minute, dad's having a moment. And those moments are when there's something really special that happens in life. And I just stop for a few minutes to take it in and to soak it in and think about it. And the reason I do that is because I want to remember that moment. Life is full of a lot of challenging and disturbing moments. And it seems like that the moments we recall most often in life are not those moments of blessing. They're not those moments of happiness and joy, but we seem to recall easier those moments of pain and sorrow. And there's some psychological studies that back that up. It takes three seconds for a negative memory to make an impact and be lasting on our memories and for it to come back to us often. But it takes 14 seconds for a positive memory to make an imprint on our mind and for us to bring back that moment with the memories of happiness that are associated with it. One psychologist said our minds, when it comes to negativity, that our minds are like flypaper. When it comes to positivity, our minds are like Teflon. And I remember when I read that statement, I sat there and I thought for just a few minutes because, and I don't mean to be gross, especially on Christmas Eve, but on my uncle's farm, who he raised a lot of pork, and all the farrying houses, there was flypaper. And you'd have to come in and change that every day because it would just get nasty and accumulate all those flies. And I think that that moment that my family's referring to, the reason I stop and think about it for a few minutes is, There's so much that comes that causes us pain. There's so much that comes that causes us sorrow that if we're not careful, we really miss what Christmas is all about. And so when I can take that moment and just stop and meditate and think about it, later when I recall that moment, and my wife and I talk about this often, I'll be driving down the highway and I'll begin to laugh, I'll begin to remember, I'll call her, I'll call one of my kids and I'll say, do you remember? I'll call somebody who's moved away from our church and say, Faith, do you remember? John, do you remember? And we'll laugh and talk because what happens is those memories, the way God designed us, they release all the chemicals that we associate with happiness. And happiness is so much different than what joy really is. What I'm doing and what I'm encouraging you to do is to take an imprint, take a moment, and think about all that God has blessed you with. So out of respect for the word of the Lord, would you stand with me this evening? I want to read to you just two verses from the book of Luke chapter 2 and verse 10. The angel said to the shepherds, I bring you good news that will Bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, Messiah the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. Do you think those, those shepherds ever forgot that moment? Have you ever forgotten the moment when your children maybe played the shepherds in a Christmas play? And do you call that back up to your mind from time to time? And it brings back the the associations of joy and happiness. Or maybe sometimes you're going through your photos on your phone. Or if you're like us and you're old enough and you've really got pictures to, to go through, you look at them and it brings back all those memories of joy. They never forgot this moment Because the greatest news ever announced to the least important people as we would think about people was announced to those shepherds years ago. 
that this is the greatest news of all that will bring great joy. Say that with me. Great joy. Say it like you're really happy tonight. Great joy. It's how I will feel if Georgia beats Michigan. It's how you will feel if Georgia beats, if Michigan beats Georgia. But first, I guess we have to go through Ohio State first. Can I get an amen on that? Sorry for you guys over there. I understand your pain. <laughs> Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. We want to worship you tonight as we celebrate Christmas and this wonderful evening, Lord, that means so much to us. Now, I know that there are folks here tonight, they're grieving, they're among the families that I named just a few moments ago. And so I'm asking you right now, in the name of Jesus, would you bring back to our memories and would you make real in our hearts the joy that is truly Christmas, for it's in your name I pray, amen and amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I look at videos of my grandchildren enjoying Christmas. I bring back those moments and when my sons, my daughter, would come to the Christmas tree and hearing them ooh and ah, those first memories that are so precious. And really, Christmas is the season of joy. It's the season that we all celebrate and that it's a joyful time of the year. And for this whole month, we've talked about having joy in the time of loss. We've talked about having joy in the time of grief. We've talked about having joy in the time of pain and how that Christmas is that season that brings joy to our hearts despite the loss, the grief, the pain that we may have experienced. Some of you have come to me and said, Pastor, this series of messages have meant so much to me. And some of you have come to me and you said, when are we going to get to the good parts? And I think for some of you, maybe, and even for me sometime, I wish I could live in a Norman Rockwell Christmas. Wouldn't that be wonderful? I mean, where it's snowing and you're not shivering, where the wind is blowing and you're not cold, where it's like a Quaker oatmeal commercial. You crunch through the snow and you come in and there's a bowl of steaming hot oatmeal and you like it whether you really do or not. But a lot of Christmases for a lot of you, from what you've told me, and some of you have written me that are a part of our online campus, your Christmas is more like a National Lampoon Christmas vacation. Aren't you old enough to remember that movie? I think it's one of the best Christmas movies there is. And as I watch that movie and I laugh because Clark wants it to be the Norman Rockwell Christmas. He wants it to be the perfect Christmas. And then his cousins, his country cousins show up and all kinds of things go wrong. He doesn't get his bonus like he was expecting to get his bonus. And the tree gets blown up. It's just a funny movie, but it really is a reflection of life. And at the end of this ridiculous movie, Clark announces it's the best Christmas ever. And even though it may have been a time of grief or pain or sorrow, you can have the most joyous Christmas ever because Christ was born on Christmas Day. Isn't that good news? So I'd like you to ask yourself a question and then talk about this later. I put some room in your outline. I'd like you to write down what is it that you really want out of life? I mean, if you were to just sum it up in a few words, 
What do you want out of life? What is it that you're working for? What is it you're laboring for? What is it you're praying for? What's your purpose? What's your vision for life? Uh, I'm at that stage in life where I'm trying to pull everything together for my children and my grandchildren so that when I go to heaven and I am with the Lord, that they know that I've lived completely 100% sold out for the purpose and the vision that I have for my life that I, Becky and I've had and that we've enjoyed together. And it does us good at Christmas to think about what do we really want because what did God want when he sent Christ to die for your sins and my sins? I mean, this is the greatest gift exchange there is. Underneath a tree called Calvary, God sent his son to die for your sins and my sins. He gave us the greatest gift of all. And all he asked in return is that we would give him the greatest gift that we can give him. And that's to give him our lives and to trust him as our Lord and Savior. It's the greatest gift exchange ever. Christ's righteousness for my unrighteousness. Christ's innocence for my guilt. Christ dying for my sins so that I could be born again and adopted into his heavenly family. Can we give the Lord a hand of praise for that? I mean, it's the greatest gift exchange of all. Henri Nguyen, whom I read a lot by, he wrote these words about joy. Follow along with me. Joy is not the same as happiness. We can be unhappy about many things, but joy can still be there because it comes from the knowledge of God's love for us. Underline that in your outline. If you're watching online, you can underline it in your app. Joy comes from the knowledge of God's love for us. What you're going through may be painful. What you're going through may be causing you grief. You may have experienced some loss this year. But your joy doesn't depend upon what's happening around you or happening to you. Your joy comes from knowing Christ as your Savior. You say, Pastor, how do I walk that out? Well, I would suggest do what the wise men do. Did follow God's light one minute, one hour, one day at a time. Follow God's light one minute, one hour, one day at a time. That's the only way you can live. I make long-range plans. We have long-range plans here at the church, but we have to live and to walk each and every day one step at a time as we trust the Lord. Look at this story from the book of Matthew. Jesus was born in the town of Bethlehem in Judea during the time when Herod was king. Now, there's a lot to be said right there. Herod was a very wicked tyrant. Think Putin of his day. Think Hitler of his day. Jesus was born in the town of Bethlehem in Judea during the time when Herod was king. And when Jesus was born, some wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. They asked, where is the baby who is to be born king of the Jews? We saw a star in the east and have come to worship him. And when king heard this, he was troubled as were all the people in Jerusalem. If you read my post yesterday that I posted at DennisClanton.com, you read about how I wrote that some people embrace life and some people embrace death at Christmas. I mean, these wise men, most scholars believe they came from Persia, from Iran, and they journeyed. How did they find out about Christ? I mean, at that time, to our knowledge, there had to be scant evidence of the Hebrew Bible of our Bible in Iran, but they studied, they searched out the text. When they read it, they, they saw something that caused them to understand this brilliant star they were seeing in the sky, a prophecy from Micah. 
They invested time preparing. They invested money for the journey. They risked their lives, and they followed that star thousands of miles across deserts and the mountains to get to a tiny little village that was not developed the way Persia was. They got to this town of Jerusalem, and then they make inquiries, and it troubles Herod because he doesn't want there to be any king but himself. Have you ever met anybody that if they're not the top dog on the, on the totem pole, they're not going to be happy? If they're not the big man on the block, they're not going to be happy? Everybody else has got to be subservient to them. Herod was that kind of man. Herod locked up people and commanded that they be executed when he died so that some people would cry at his funeral. Now think about that. That's a really cruel guy. Nobody loved him. But he had power, he had influence, he had everything the world wanted except for love and respect. And these men journeyed, they went on, and they came to a place, and there they bowed to worship. But before I read that, let me ask you a question tonight. Let me ask you a question this Christmas Eve, especially if you're grieving, especially if you're mourning, especially if you experience loss this year, what are you willing to invest to know God? I'm not asking for your money. That's not what I'm saying. But what are you willing to invest of your time? What are you willing to invest in asking questions the way the wise men did? What are you willing to prepare for? What are you willing to do to get to know God? I meet many people who want revival, but they're not willing to invest time in prayer. I meet many people who want to see our community become better, but they're not willing to invest time to serve others. I meet many people who have good intentions, and as my mother says, you know, the road to hell is paved with good intentions, but what are you willing to invest in your time and your talent and your treasure and your personal testimony about what Jesus has done for you in order to know God and to serve God? Well, these wise men in chapter 2, verse 9 says, the wise men heard the king and they left, and the star that they had seen in the east went before them until it stopped above the place where the child was. That's why I don't believe it was a comet. God really put a star there. And when the wise men saw the star, they were filled with joy. Circle that phrase. They were filled with joy. I mean, I, do you know what it means to be joyful? Do you know what it means to have this well just bubbling? Do you know what it means to have that moment with You've had those joyful moments when you think about them and you recall them and suddenly you're flooded with those same feelings that you had at that moment. Like my family teases me when they say, everybody just take a break, dad's having a moment. Because I'm imprinting what's happening because I want to bring it back. Now, let me talk about the miracle for just a second. Because this week I said, Lord, I really want people to get this, and I need, I need you to show me something, give me an illustration, give me a story, even give me a, a little miracle, something that I can illustrate this with. Now, you can explain this away easily. You can explain what I'm going to tell you away easily. I don't believe that was a comment. People try to explain away the Christmas star all the time, but if God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. Can you say amen to that? I mean, it's true whether we believe it or not. The star stopped. Well, last night I got home late, and my AirPod dropped out of my... They were a gift to me. They were these AirPod Pros, and one of them dropped out of my ear. 
And so my son and I went outside. We looked up and down the driveway. We looked in the sidewalks. He even got this infrared light. We covered everything. It was bitterly cold out there, and we couldn't find it, and we just decided it was lost. Well, today, this afternoon, I said, Lord, I still need a miracle. I need something to share with somebody. And then I thought, why don't you pray about that silly little AirPod? So I prayed about it. No kidding. I prayed about it. I hadn't cranked the Mustang today. I hadn't moved the Mustang. I went home, went to my car, and there laying on top of the snow was that AirPod. Now, you can explain that away if you want to, but we looked and we looked and we looked by that car. It may have blown away with the wind, but God controls the wind, or an angel may have dropped it there. I don't care. I got my miracle right there. God is good all the time. Can you say amen? I mean, those, it's kind of like a bishop said one time. He said, you know, the more I prayed, the more coincidences happened. And you say, why did he say coincidence? Because people told him miracles are just coincidences. Maybe you need a coincidence tonight. Maybe you need to ask the God of all joy to fill your heart to overflowing. God has a miracle for you this evening. Let's give him another hand of praise tonight, would you? (laughs) Dallas Willard, one of my favorite writers, and his wife was from our hometown of Macon. Dallas wrote these words, joy is not a passing sensation of pleasure but a pervasive sense of well-being that is infused with hope because of the goodness of God. Henri Nguyen says to you, because of the love of God. Dallas Willard says to you, because of the goodness of God. God says to you, I have sent you my son. That's how much I love you. And then the third thing, second thing I'd like to see tonight is joy is a choice. It's a choice. The Greek word kairo means to joy or to rejoice. When you see that word, it's not just, when you see it, it's not just used in the sense of a feeling. It's a choice. I choose to joy. I choose to rejoice. In the midst of my pain, in the midst of my grief, in the midst of my loss, in the midst of my suffering, in the midst of missing those that I love, in the midst of a cancer diagnosis, and in the midst of maybe, you know, the economy, whatever it is, I choose to rejoice. Look at Philippians 1.18. Paul says, rejoice, and I will continue to rejoice. I will continue to choose to rejoice. He's writing this from prison. And then in chapter 2, he says, I will rejoice even if I lose my life, pouring it out like a liquid offering to God, just like your faithful servant is an offering to God, and I want all of you to share that joy. Read that last sentence with me tonight, would you? And I want all of you to share that joy. One more time. I want all of you to share that joy. I want all of you to chairo. I want you to choose to rejoice. I want you to share this attitude that no matter what happens, I'm going to rejoice. And that, friends, is the key to living and overcoming life. If we can pick up one more time with Andre Nguyen, he says, I am convinced we can choose joy. Every moment we decide to respond to an event or a person with joy instead of sadness, when we truly believe that God is life and only life, then nothing need draw us into the sad realm of death. 
To choose joy does not mean to choose happy feelings or an artificial atmosphere of hilarity, but it does mean the determination to let whatever takes place bring us one step closer to God, starting with the word but. Let's read that together. But it does mean the determination to let whatever takes place to bring us one step closer to God. Now, in case you don't know who Henri Nguyen was, Henri Nguyen was a theologian, taught at Harvard University, loved the Lord, felt God calling him to work with mentally disabled, severely mentally disabled people. He gave up his teaching career at Harvard. He moved to Canada at a place called Lit Arc, and he worked with mentally handicapped people, severely mentally, lived with them, not just worked there, but lived with them and dwelt there among them, became one of them. And then while he was doing that, he became ridden with cancer and died a very painful death, and wrote some of the most powerful writings on joy that there is. You say, Pastor, why have you hammered on this so much? Because this Christmas season, I want you to know and I want you to understand that joy is based on the source, and the source is Jesus, and the result of happiness is based on the results. If the results are not what you want, you can still live with joy. Can we give him another hand of praise tonight? You can still have joy. I'm going to ask the musicians to come up to the stage, and we're getting ready to close, but listen to this verse. They came to the house where the child was and saw him with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down. And they worshiped him. And they opened their gifts and gave him treasures of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. You've come tonight, and maybe you've come just because it's, it feels good to be in church on Christmas Eve. And it does feel good to be in church on Christmas Eve. But that's the result. Maybe you've come tonight and... You really, you've smiled and you've sang the carols and the songs, but you're grieving. Your wife, your husband, your mother, your father, your brother, your sister may not be at the table this year for Christmas. Or there may be a particular health challenge. Joy is based on the source. Nearly every day, Alan, my brother-in-law, their struggle with cancer. We talked and prayed nearly every day and how many verses of Scripture we shared. I can hear my brother-in-law saying to me, Dennis, pray for me. Dennis, pray for me. I say, how are you doing? How are you feeling today? I'm rejoicing. Whether I live or whether I die, I win. One day his son called me. He said, Uncle Denny, he said, Dad wins whether he lives or he dies. He says, we win whether he lives or dies. He said, we don't want to lose Daddy, but if he goes to heaven, what greater peace is there for my mom and for our family 
than to know that my dad is in the presence of Jesus Christ. You see, joy is based on the source. And the absolute greatest gift, look at me, don't miss this. The absolute greatest gift that you can give to your family, the absolute greatest gift you can give to your loved ones is the knowledge that you were passionately sold out to Jesus Christ, that you loved him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Let's go back to Dallas Willard for some wisdom just a moment. He said, we should, to begin with, think that God leads a very interesting life. That he is full of joy and undoubtedly he's the most joyous being in the universe. I don't know why when I talk to people somehow or another they think serving Christ is boring. I don't know when I talk to people why somehow or another they think serving Christ is you're this you look like you've been drinking vinegar through a gas pipe or something. You just always look down serving Jesus is the most joyous fulfilling life-giving experience that there is and I think Dallas Willard was right God has got to be the most joyous being in the universe have you ever watched a whale breach the water and splash you ever watched an eagle soar you ever watched a giraffe play have you ever just stopped for a moment and looked at all that God has created and think, God has absolutely just got to be the most fascinating being in all the universe. And I promise you this, when you come to know Jesus Christ, you'll come to know joy and you'll come to know a life that will fascinate you day in and day out. Would you stand with me tonight? And I'd like you to read Philippians 4.4 with me. It'll be on the screen. Let's read it aloud together. Always be full of the joy of the Lord. Say it again. Always be full of the joy of the Lord. What is joy? It's a choice. What is joy? It's a choice you choose to make. What is joy based upon? It's based upon Jesus. Ain't nobody going to rock Jesus. Ain't nobody going to steal Jesus' joy. And if they can't steal his joy, they can't steal your joy and my joy if it's based in him. Would you bow your heads with me right now? Lord, I pray for all of us tonight. I ask you in the name of Jesus Christ that, Lord, you will do something in our hearts and lives. God, whatever we're clinging to, whatever we're worried about other people thinking about us, God, whatever we're struggling with tonight, that we won't let anything keep us from coming to the source of all joy. And that's the gift of your son. And tonight, if you've never given your heart to Jesus, and if you're watching online this evening, I want you to listen to me. If you're here in the sanctuary, I want you to listen to me for just a moment. I don't care where you come from. I don't care what your background is. I have friends from other faiths that are watching tonight. I want you to know there is a God in heaven who knows you inside out and he loves you. And he sent his son so that your sins could be forgiven. He sent his son so that you could have a brand new life. 
And something inside of you in this room, online, is resonating with what I'm saying. You know this is something you not only need to do, but for some reason right now, you want to do it. And that's the Holy Spirit drawing you. So will you pray this prayer with me? And you don't have to say the exact words I say, but just pray them tonight in your own way to the Lord. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for the greatest Christmas gift of all. And I choose to give my life to you tonight. I choose joy in Christ. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to become a brand new person. And so as much as I know how, I give you my heart, I give you my life, I give you my soul, and I promise to live for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Amen. Can we rejoice tonight? I heard people praying this evening as they committed their life to Christ. Can we just give him a hand of praise and say, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Now, I'm going to ask you to be seated. We're going to have a, our candle lighting right now, but you've got a little card. I want you to help me with this tonight. On your way out, if you'll give it to one of the ushers at the back. But would you help me? This is my Christmas survey. Just some questions I'm asking. If you will help me as I pray and prepare for 2023, take a moment. You don't have to sign this. If you want to sign it or you'd like to, a call, you can. Just put your name and number on there. And, but would you tell me, just answer these simple questions for me to help me as I prepare our sermon calendar for next year. Now, every year we do an annual Christmas candle lighting. So guys, you can come on down if you would. Your children have candles. We're going to ask you to watch your children tonight so that they can enjoy this. And then after everybody's candle has been lit, we'll all stand and sing together. This one candle represents Christ coming into the world. He's the light of the world. Pastor Mark shared a wonderful illustration about being in a cavern and how the light went out. They didn't move. said you couldn't even see your hand in front of your face. And that the guide from 70 foot away lit a lighter and it lit up the whole room. You have no clue how much light Jesus will bring into the world through you tonight. So if we can bring the lights down.
out. Let me pray a blessing from God's word over you tonight. Numbers chapter 6 verse 24. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord protect you. May the Lord smile upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord show you his favor and grant you his peace. God bless you. Have a merry, merry Christmas.